Right then. This one's about family in America. And the army comes after their kid. I'll give you some background. Got back home last Sunday. There's a stack of VHS tapes on the television cabinet. Olga's been at the boot sale again. There's probably some Lilliput Lane upstairs somewhere. She hides them. Thinks I don't know. So there's a couple of other tapes, of course. Never just buys one. There's one about a horse. I've already seen it. Documentary about sonar. And this one. I had a look on the back. It sounded all right, so we popped it on. Wide screen. Dolby Pro Lodge. Says 100 minutes on the box. You know it's going to be more like 96. It's got a good opening. Family gets this kid. His name's Daryl. He's a clever boy, good at puzzles, kind, good manners. A lot of mums and dads listening, I'm sure. Daryl's the kind of boy you like to raise yourself. Be proud to call him your own. Not like your real kids. Things with Daryl. He's not like others, you know what I mean? You get the impression off the start of the film that he's special. And then out of nowhere, there's all these scientists buzzing about in their white coats. Clipboards. I gotta tell you, I was interested. I was engaged. There's a part of me that starts to empathise with a boy, you know what I mean? I know what it feels like to be the odd man out. I've got four brothers. They all work in applied genetics. And there's me, a theoretical physicist. So I'm rooting for him. I want him to succeed. And when he goes down the arcade and gets the highest score on that Space Invaders, I'm happy. That don't last too long, though. Yeah, really start to feel something for Daryl. Really do. So you can imagine my disappointment when halfway through the film I find out he's a robot. I ain't lying. I promise you. He's not a full robot with a metal face and all lights on him. He's one in one's what looks like a person, but he's got a computer in his head. So I stick it on pause. I start remembering the style of the film. Back when I was happy with Daryl. Like when he came first in that running race. When he did that thing with a cash machine. Gave the money to the poor geezer, all that. And I have to admit, I felt cheated. I said to Olga, turn off the video play. I don't want to watch this no more. Take the cassette out of the machine, replace it carefully in the box and put it in the charity bag. I don't want it in the house. Two minutes later, what are you done with a charity bag? She's saying, pretending she can't find it. She's playing for time, obviously. I know this game. It's in the cupboard next to the telephone table where it always is. I'm yelling now. Next thing I know, she starts going through the charity bag. There's a few things in there already. Cut the claw hammers, book about seabirds, toast to someone giving me that I didn't like the look of. Good one. Ain't broken. Still in the box. They won't take that down the Oxfam, she's saying. They don't have electric things. It's a charity shop, I told her. They'll take what they're given. And before I know what's happening, she's getting everything out of the bag, making a mess in the kitchen, you know. Rubbish all over the worktops. Get it back in the bag, old son. Don't worry yourself about it. But of course you weren't listening. This hammer's got a stain on it, she's saying, waving one of them about. They won't take that. They will give it a wipe. That's me again, raising me voice, you know. 
So anyway, in the end, I persuaded her to get the Daryl VHS back in the bag with the Sonar one. I don't want this rubbish hanging about my house, making it look untidy. There's videotapes all over the place. It's only going to take her longer to clean it up, ain't it? Doing her a favour. Thing is, right, I don't want someone walking into my house, seeing this robot film on the sideboard over there, and getting any funny ideas. They're going to get the wrong impression straight off. Going to start thinking that me and my wife are the sort of people who would put up with a robot kid. But we were not. I've got to kid myself. Mark. Don't see him no more, obviously. He's moved on. I wish him all the best. We never really saw right away, and that's fine. We're different people. But at least we are both people. I'm not a robot. He's not a robot. If there's a problem, we'll work it out like humans, not using data. Years ago, when he was growing up and he had a tantrum, I don't know, they cancelled Top of the Pops because there's been an earthquake somewhere and the news has gone on a bit longer. That sort of thing used to really upset him. But the worst that ever happened was that he'd slam a few doors, damage some paintwork or something. But with Daryl, who knows? One minute you're telling him to turn off his scale extracts because his dinner's ready. Next thing you know, he's got lasers coming out of his eyes. And there's you, diving for cover behind a breakfast bar. Or maybe gets in a mood because there's a thunderstorm and he wants to go out to circus. Starts to raise his voice a bit. Things get physical. He goes back, steps on his hamster and the ass blows up. Now don't get me wrong. I ain't saying we shouldn't have robots. They do all kinds of things. Calculators, for example. Very useful. Maybe one day you want to check what 7 times 8 is, in case they change the numbers in the European court or something. You want to make sure. You get your calculator out of drawing the sideboard, 7 times 8, 56. Accuracy, every time. That's robots. Robots are important. They're helpful. Look at your car wash. You're going to mess about with an old sponge and a bucket of cold water, or are you going to get down the local jet wash and let them robot arms do it for you? Yeah, robots do all kinds of things. But a robot kid, in this day and age, for me it's just too much of a risk. Anyway, that's me. Thanks for listening. And that's you, isn't it? Is that you on the right? Yes, that's me. That's me on there. And who's the other gentleman? Do you remember his name? I don't remember his name, but I remember his crime. And what had he done? Thievery! 
A very, very serious crime in those days, ladies and gentlemen. In 1801, a woman called Anne Baker was hanged for stealing a sheep in the East Midlands. And that's you again, obviously. What do you remember about this? I remember afterwards we used the rope to tie a goat to the fence because it had come into the mayor's garden and eaten all his flowers. <laughs> and do you remember anything about the condemned man or his crime? He was the mayor's youngest son. We were fairly sure it was him who had left the garden gate open. And that's you again. And who's the guilty man here? Oh, I remember this one very clearly. Him and his friend had come to the local university on art scholarships. Shortly afterwards, they began performing routines and they were characterised by attitudes quite at odds with those of the townsfolk. A different time, ladies and gentlemen, and a telling reminder to be thankful for the freedoms we live with now. Do you remember what became of the rope that time? Yes, it was used to strangle his friend. <laughs> oh, goodness. Whatever's happening here? He was a member of a circus that passed through the town one summer. He was repeatedly warned to stop stealing ladies' hats from off of the tops of their heads and throwing banana skins about, but he wouldn't listen. In the end, he left us with no choice. One is reminded of the case of the Hartlepool monkey. No, no. This one received a fair trial. Legal counsel was appointed in his name and the due process of law was observed throughout. A jury found him guilty by a majority and the presiding magistrate sentenced him to death by hanging. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, a chilling reminder of the barbarity of unenlightened times. Let's have the last slide. Okay. Now, unless I'm very much mistaken, that's Peter Allen, the last man to be hanged in the United Kingdom. I'm afraid you are very much mistaken. That's a photograph of my neighbour shortly after I'd hanged him. His crime was never made public. It didn't seem very important at the time. Well, I'm sure we can all appreciate how difficult it must have been for you to administer the ultimate punishment to someone with whom you were acquainted. Further evidence of the emotional fortitude that sustained you throughout the extraordinary career we've been hearing about this evening. Thank you so much for coming along and sharing your memories with us. It really has been fascinating. Oh, thank you for... <coughs> <coughs> oh, thank goodness. That's been in my throat all day. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Good night. Well, people used to criticise me for missing every single birthday that my children ever had. But then last month, my son got out of prison and I was there waiting for him. I mean, where were those people then? Huh? I mean, same thing next week when the other one goes into the Romando. I'll be there, waving goodbye to him. And I'll probably visit him a few times when he's in there too. I mean, maintaining an impressive physique is a full-time job. I and mean, being a father is a full-time job too. It's you know, just a shame you can't take a break from one of them. Uh, 
Hello and welcome back to Celebrity Wall Building with me, John Henry Timmis. Just a quick reminder of how it works. With me are two celebrities who you can probably hear are each building a wall. At the end of the allotted time, the one whose wall has the greatest structural integrity will have their name read out, whilst the other will remain anonymous and have to silently endure the indignity of having spent the last hour of their life building a wall that nobody will ever see or use and which will in fact be demolished shortly after its completion. Now, whereas that might sound grossly exploitative and horribly unfair to you, that's the sort of high stakes excitement we deal with here on Celebrity Wall Building. These two knew the arrangement coming in, but were still prepared to risk yet another dent in their increasingly fragile sense of self, just to hear their name read out on a programme that I can't imagine more than a few hundred people have ever listened to. Makes you wonder what must have happened to them during childhood and whether or not their time would be better spent exploring their trauma with a qualified counsellor rather than building a wall whilst we listen. Anyway, let's return you to the sound of two walls being built.